Church hop is so sick. Okay. Let's get into our next discipline. So today we're looking at friendship. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. I'm sorry. Um, and I think there's like uh, obviously. I don't know if like I mean I think we've considered being, you know, married or a parent. And or a parent, a friend is like something. I don't know if we really necessarily um, view that type of relationship as like important to think about in terms of its like you know in the practice of being a friend as a Christian, like all these things. Like we always think about, oh, what does it mean to be a godly husband, godly wife, godly father, godly mother? But do we ever think about being a godly friend to one another? Right? I think that's. Something maybe we don't think about as much. Maybe we do. Uh, anyways, let's talk about it. So let's pray and we'll start. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time. Um, for me, it's been quite edifying and refreshing to just have interaction on really like a wide range of things so far. And um, I hope that today's conversation would also yield uh, good fruit uh, and good uh, interaction between us um, about <coughs> Called, thing we call friendship. So we thank you, Carlos, in your name. Amen. Okay. Let me ask like a really like like on the on the heels of what I just shared. Like what what does it mean to be a godly or a Christian friend to one another? What is like what what kind of image or thoughts or I don't know like adjectives come to mind? Like because like when we think of like oh godly husband, like we can kind of think of attributes like kind of attached to that. But like what about a godly friend? What is that like? Friendship. <coughs> what do you guys think? Forgiving. Forgiving. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what is going on? Um, I guess keeping each other accountable. Right. Yeah. Accountability. Okay. Anything else? Or who would say they have a friend and or friends that are Christian that you would say are, like, you are in a, like, I guess a God-centered or godly friendship with them? It's kind of weird to say, right? It's not, it's not a, like, a phrasing we, it's not a phrasing we say a lot. we are having right now. Because I do think we have friends who are Christians, right? But in all of these conversations, we really want to get down to a little bit more of like substance in what we're discussing. So being friends as a Christian, what is that like? Do you have that? You can say, these are genuine Christian friends with whom I engage in like Christian practice with. Right? Like, we live the Christian life together, right? Not just friends who happen to be Christian, but like truly friends who are Christian alongside you, walking with you, you know, through things, thick and thin, like all that, like, would you, if you do say you have that, kind of describe that experience for us. You don't have to identify who they are, but like, just maybe you can describe that experience for us. <laughs> I think it's harder, like, to get really, really, really close with, like, non-Christians. Like, you can kind of tell the difference between the mm. Christian and Like, I do have some really, really close non-Christian friends. Yeah. Um, but not as many, right? Because 
I feel like a lot of my non-Christian friends, it's like very surface level. Mm-hmm. It was like really hard to be really real with each other. And I feel like faith is a big part of that. It just, I think there's a side of vulnerability that comes with mm-hmm. like, um, with faith. And um, yeah, I guess that ties into like accountability and just like, how are you doing spiritually and things like that. And so <coughs> I think in that sense, um, there's just, yeah, there's certainly, like, um, with Christian friends, there's a relatability that exists that definitely would not, right, with our non-Christian friends in the area of the faith. I guess it's because faith is such a big part of my life. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so but not being able to share that, is <coughs> it, like, limits you. And yes. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, like, the bigger your... I mean, really, it should encompass your whole life, but... You know, yeah. the more ground your faith covers in your life, the less you're able to relate with those yeah. that differ in that area. Right? And even because sometimes, like, the solution is, like, God, right? <laughs> Both with the non-Christian. Yeah. So, like, when you're going through struggles, it's like, how do I, <laughs> do I encourage them without God? Like, because they don't believe. Yeah, absolutely, right? Um, how can you encourage them? How can they encourage you? And when they do encourage you, does it actually encourage you, or does it like lead you to something else? Um, absolutely, for sure. Um, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, I think we're encouraging, just like each other. I remember at the beginning of COVID, like everyone was like pretty dry, like online church and whatever. Um, like we haven't seen each other, so like I have like this group of friends. We all we all go on Discord every every day together. Yeah. And we would just play video games at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> we'd just be like, yo, did you guys do your QT today? And we would just stop playing video games. And we would get off Discord for like an hour. <laughs> and then we'd come back on. It's like, yo, what did you read? All right, let's play League. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and for like, I think the entire summer we did that. Like every day it was like, yo, did you do your QT? Stop playing video games. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, even if it's like small things like that, kind of like encouraging one another. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Um, can anyone think of maybe like examples in scripture of friendships that, I mean, there's no perfect, other than Jesus, there's no you know, perfect people in, in the Bible, so they're all, they're all weaknesses, but any friendships in scripture that you look to and go, wow, that's, that is perhaps modeling elements of what a Christian friendship truly looks like. Anything come to mind? I think, um, I don't know any scripture examples, but, like, one prominent thing that I would think, that I would notice about, like, my Christian friends versus non-Christian, or even to the extent of people that are more worldly or more serious about, serious in understanding of what their faith is, I feel like there's a lot of situations, because, like, us being, like, um, born sinners and stuff like that like we all share shortcomings but I think for the non-Christian and for the worldly it's very hard for them to understand like a lot of the responses that I personally experienced was like like how can you do that and they just find it like they when they see my shortcomings they look at it like like you you weren't supposed to do that and you had full control of it which like it is true right but i'm not here to like 
you know, justify that my sins are okay or anything, right? But I think with, you know, non-Christian, I mean, with Christians, um, and <coughs> with how I relate with my Christian friends, I try to, um, yeah, there is this, like, mutual, like, understanding of, like, yes, there are things that we shouldn't have done, and there are these shortcomings, but instead of you know, recognizing it as like, you shouldn't have done that, our relationship is over. We um, become more vulnerable and pray for one another. And because we recognize that it's sin and that's something that we aren't to, you know, like live in, but there mm-hmm. is this new life that we are to um, like live in from now on. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that that ties with like encouraging one another and stuff like that, but I think that's like a prominent difference that I felt where like people that don't understand like that difficulty in like battling between you know like living understanding with for of the kingdom to come but also like living with our like past habits and stuff um yeah a lot of people that don't understand that find it very easy to just kind of not persevere in a relationship and just yeah yeah Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, there's um, yeah, absolutely. There's differences. So many layers of differences uh, in our interactions with and our friendships with. I, it does. It's not to say you cannot have a friendship or and or like a deep, intimate, genuine friendship with a non-Christian, but I definitely do think there are, you know, distinct differences in those relationships when when you are serious about your faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, any like. We're talking about friendship, by the way. Welcome back. Um, like friendship. Any friendships in scripture that you can look to and say, hey, that's, I think that's a, an example. Or I know that's an example. I don't know. <coughs> David and Jonathan? Yeah, the classic David one is David and Jonathan, right? Wait, no. Jonathan. No, Jonathan and David, right? Jonathan and David are the classic example of the, you know, I used to low-key think Jonathan had, <laughs> Jonathan had a thing for David, but it's... <laughs> it's non-biblical so let's not get there but um anyways uh like he literally like defends David to the point of like like his leading to his own death essentially right um protecting David from his own father who's trying to kill David um like he would oppose his own father for the sake of that friendship there's so many great exa- like there's so many great uh attributes to that friendship and the genuineness I mean there's a verse in 1 Samuel talking about their friendship how their souls connected Right, like their souls were in connection, and that I think that's a great descriptor for the Christian friendship. Is that it's a connection of not just like time, effort, or relationship, but it's a connection of soul, right, between two believers, right. Um, so let's get into some of the content that our author talks about. The first thing he talks about is the growing privatization and individualistic. Uh, mindset of the modern like Western believer and that's a result of the modern Western world right as the world uh, he talks about it like homes if you look at homes before the central sort of biggest units of the home were the dining area the living room the shared common spaces and now what's getting bigger the closets the washrooms the garages the the fences are getting bigger between neighbors like like all of these things and so he talks about how Everyone is getting more and more comfortable with being alone and being private and being less transparent about their own wishes. And then he talks about 
how back in the days, his days, um, it was very common and normal to know your neighbors, like your literal home neighbors, right? And now it's very uncommon, right, to do that. It's in fact, it, it's 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 not even like most people. I don't know if you guys know the names of the neighbors of your home, right? Like who lives next door? Blah, blah, blah. Like back in the day, they would come and they bring a pie. Oh, you just moved in. Welcome to the neighborhood. Blah blah blah, right? And there'd be like literally like a neighborhood like group thing going on or whatever right but now it's just like your house my house blah blah blah, blah right like i live in a semi-detached or like yeah it's a semi-detached like literally we share walls and i know that they are black <laughs> and that they play mus they're musicians of some sort because i hear them playing some kind of instrument but like I don't know what they do for a living. I've borrowed their can opener once. <laughs> like you know what I mean, like that that kind of stuff, right? Um, like it, it's it's really interesting how we've kind of like changed, and maybe that has a lot to do with the Eastern sort of Asian culture, like immigrants moving into the Western world and changing sort of the dynamics of that too. But um, even in church. Right, I think we see some of this leaking into church, where it's like, yeah, we all go to the same church, but do we really know what's going on in so and so's life? You know, why honey sleeps through everything? You know, he's tired. <laughs> you know, like we, we ask all these questions, right? And we ponder um, some of those realities. So he talks about that, like growing privatization. This is really interesting. Okay. Uh, they did like um, there's a book called The Friendship Factor and in this book they do sort of like it's a group of psychologists and therapists and they estimate through study and like whatever only 10% that's 1 in 10 men um, have any real friends right now right and that's like an interesting like and that's subjective of course because that person is saying I do or do not have any real friends but that's really interesting because now you gotta think about like like there are literally like nine out of ten people men who are saying i don't think i have a real friend right um they may do they may in fact have a real friend but they don't acknowledge that as a real friend like that's that's problematic right um and so yes the christian is to be a great follower of christ and also a great husband godly husband godly wife godly father you know good son good daughter good mother all these things but maybe we are very much disregarding being a good friend as well right so uh, a couple notes Christ of course is our example in all things but everything we've observed so far we've seen Christ as the example right and he continues to be example in all things right what was his ministry or what are some central uh, elements of his ministry well he had deep friendships with 12 men right uh, one of whom traded but anyways <laughs> 12 friends and he called them friends John 15 13 to 15 right um, then there was like an inner circle of deeper friends not to say he was like saying you're more important than the others but he had those he really abided in like closely right he kept them in the loop so to speak and he bore his heart to them like he really shared his heart uh, and shared experiences personal things with them right um the author talks about something really interesting, and I, don't, I want to get your thought on this. He says, 
If you're married, your wife or husband must be your most intimate friend. But to say my wife or husband is my best friend can be a Christian cop-out. You also need Christian friends who have same-sex understandings of the, of the you know, serpentine passages of your heart. That's really interesting when articulating that. But who will not only offer counsel and pray for you, but will also hold you accountable, as Mr. Shared, to your commitments and responsibilities when necessary. We will now consider some prime examples. Okay, so what do you think about that? Did he just say same-sex? Yes. So he want, he thinks it's important to have not only a wife or husband who right. is your most intimate friend, but also best friends who are of the same sex. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. No controversial statements today? I don't think uh, <laughs> guys and girls can be friends, period. So yeah, I agree with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we live in a fallen, broken world. We can't do stuff like that. <laughs> right. Um, what about others? <laughs> I mean, there are, of course, people who are going to argue the platonic relationship between male and female can exist. I, 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 for one, think it can. I just don't think it can be as intimate as a same-sex relationship. Yeah, with appropriate boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something that like same-sex friendships offer that maybe is different than like right. couples. It's not to say you can't have, right? Yeah. The opposite gender friends. Like you should probably have both, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. The question is, like, they can be friends, but not best friends. No, no, no. He's saying, no, that's not what he's saying. I don't know. The guy's saying you should have same I think he's friends. agreeing with him. I think he's agreeing with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm agreeing with him that, like, I disagree with the fact that girls and guys cannot be friends. They can, but not best friends. Yeah. I mean, it'd be weird to be married. Like, let's see. Like, you are married. You I mean, like, for a single guy. Yeah. But, Not like, yeah. but let's just, like, let's just examine. Like, let's just say you had a best friend that was a girl. Kind of weird, right? I don't know. I think it'd be kind of weird if my wife had a best friend who was a guy. Who's like, we're like, just age. imagine, <laughs> like, I don't know. Imagine if. Better looking and taller. And <laughs> <laughs> better pastor. More money. Better job. Better Mega car. Church. You know, it'd be like better a little bit life. like. Maybe you maybe you shouldn't be the best <laughs> friend of this woman. <laughs> right. I don't know. Could be a little awkward that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about that? The importance of that. The, uh, the point I'm trying to get across is not whether men and women can be friends. The point yeah, is yeah. like, um, do you think it's a Christian cop out to say like, oh, my husband wife is my best friend, so I don't need other friends, right? Because okay, in my age, like, this is what I'm experiencing. As my friends get married and have children, they just disconnect. Mm. Yeah, they just like, not you. I'm not talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> you're actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're actually great. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. You're actually roles, like yeah. a good role model to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, like my. Thomas doesn't disappear. Oh, yeah, yeah. Off the record. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, anyways, um, so <laughs> I'll tell you about other guys. Especially when they have kids. It's just like, sayonara, right? Unless I make the effort to be like, hey, I want to see your newborn child. I don't, but anyways, like if I want to, like I would go. Hey, use the kid as an aim okay, to like, get into look, his house. When your first, house. when your first few friends have kids, you want to see the kid. You're like, oh my gosh, like you have a kid, and you want to see. It. Later, when like the fifteenth friend of yours has a kid, like, and it's like the thirtieth kid that you have to go to the birthday party to. It's like you don't want to go. Trust me, like you'll get there. 
and you will be like, no, this is not in my inner circle <laughs> anymore. Like, um, but anyways, I'm getting off track. So what I'm saying is, I think what happens, you know, tends to happen is that is that people, right? Not even at marriage, like when they're dating, dating yeah. Right? It's just like boom, disconnected from the world, and I'm like, oh man, like that sucks, man. Like you really want to sacrifice? Like, do you need to do that? Mm. Right? Is that really necessary? To like disconnect from your friendships because you're dating or you're married or whatever like i don't know i think that's weird what do you guys think wait but is this book asking like th- is it going further and <coughs> saying that is it sin to disconnect is that no no no, no oh. of course not we're it's not saying it's a sin but it's an important aspect of your christian walk in life to have those friends to mm. devalue them and replace them with your <coughs> romantic partner i think mm is a loss for your romantic partner and for you yeah right like i think it's a massive loss for your future like i don't think we have enough like when we're younger enough like i guess knowledge or wisdom to understand that right i have like i won't say who but i was like dude don't, don't say anything controversial <laughs> no I'm not, I'm not no i'm just kind of like off the record this is mikey's yeah, no, like, jesse this like, is mikey speaking <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of like agreeing with what he's saying because yeah. like this one time so like this pastor I really like respect look up to he's married and then I was just like so I was trying to have a conversation with him because I guess I was like just going through some stuff yeah and like he just couldn't stop like being distracted from like his wife and like and I'm like yo am I even like being hurt like I don't know. It was just like a very different vibe from when he wasn't married. Right. Like he was physically just not even able to like concentrate. I was like, what the heck is this? Right. Oh, and this, this is going to tie back to us being like when we talked about the discipline of marriage and elements of marriage, like I think a part of us holding our partners accountable is holding them accountable to having that social circle in their life. Right. Where they do have another vent for them to engage with, you know, same sex relationships as friends. And as a partner, you would hope for that, to not only continue to exist, but continue to develop, right? Um, and hold them accountable to that. I think that's an important part of being a romantic partner to your partner. Yeah. Right? That, but they were just like, way. so like, in, like kind of like what we're just talking about, like they were yeah. so like inward, like facing inward. Yeah. And I was just like- I mean, I, I do think do. there's a phase, like yeah. what, what, whatever you want to call it, like the honeymoon phase or whatever, like when you're just infatuated and that's going to happen naturally, biologically. No, but they're getting but, worse. Like that's okay, the problem. That, okay, that might be an exception, but like you know, like I do think there's that phase in everyone's life when they first meet their partner and they fall in love and all these things. But once you get past that, I mean, you really need to, you know, really Cause my, think about yeah. That. And I agree. And my philosophy is like, if you're with someone like in public, yeah, you should be, or you should try your best to be selfless and pouring out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if I'm like married for example and like we're in a like well let's say I'm like I don't know we're just in a public setting like church or whatever like we can do the husband wife thing like at home right like we're here with people that I only see once or twice brothers and sisters I only see once or twice a week like because I I guess I want my future wife to like kind of be like that too right like reaching outward yeah and because I've been in a really well I've only had one girlfriend in my life but it was very like inward it was kind of like what we're we're describing and we didn't so you just see, bubble yourself. Yeah, we didn't yeah. like 
we saw people, but we didn't see them at all. Right. We're just kind of living in our own virtual world, even though we're physically not in like a home space. Right. So I want to I mean, do as it like husband and wife though. Yeah. Once you're married, as husband and wife, that is your priority. Like your priority in relate. Like if you were to rank these relationships, of course, is your husband. Right. And wife. Right. And it's not like to she'll say, know that from yeah. like how I treat but her. But I just don't home, think right? it's black like, and white. I don't think it's a hundred and zero. Right. right it's right, just right. like it's about your priority. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you disregard right, right, right. all of these other things. I think that are, if anything, those friends will help you in your marriage. Yeah. Right. If you have your Christian friends alongside you, than anything else. Um, when we look at David and Jonathan, First Samuel eighteen three to four. Let me just. Who's John? Jonathan, David's friend, King oh. David's friend, <laughs> King Saul's son. <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> um, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. That's what it reads, right? Um, that's like that's the point where I, in high school where I was like, it's getting inappropriate. Um, I don't know if that's the kind of brother I want in my life. But anyways, um, the author writes this. The deepest of friendships have in common this desire. This desire. And remember, Jonathan is a prince. He's the Lord. He is the next heir to the throne, right? His deepest of friendships have in common this desire to make the other person royalty, right? Each works for and rejoices in the other's elevation and achievements. Um, uh, this is age-old, like, are we all Korean here? Like all this age-old Korean thought. Like, um, my dad, or I don't know who it was. Maybe it was my uncle. He used to say this. He's like, there's between Japanese people and Korean people is this. Japanese people turn on TV, they'll see like, they'll watch the Olympics for example, they watch the Olympics and be like, oh, that's my high school friend and he just won a medal. And he'd be like, yo, that guy in high school is such a good guy, like, man, he was like, he competed so hard, he worked so hard, like, it's a great thing, positive things about him, right? Korean guy will do the same thing, he'll turn on TV, he'll see his high school friend on, t- on the Olympics winning a medal and he'll say, that guy was a jerk. You know, in high school, you know, you know how many like, you know, stupid things this guy did. I can't believe this guy made it this far, right? Like, that's what—that's the kind of attitude we'll have, and that's the kind of attitude sometimes we have with our friends. Jealousy. Yeah. Right. Envy. Oh, he's doing well. It's like, oh, I need to get on his level, or I need to surpass him. I need to be the best in my friend group. I need to be this. I need to. Right. I don't know. I need to be the richest in my group. I have the best job. I have the best car. All these things, right? And it just becomes competitive, and maybe this happens more. So I don't know. Maybe in the male circle I would imagine it happens in the female circle too like no difference there but um, do we have this common desire to make to prop up the other to build the other up to elevate them right to really rejoice in their rejoicing and weep in their sorrow with their sorrows right that's a friend isn't it um, and so before I point fingers and say my friend doesn't do this my friend doesn't do that I try to self reflect and say am I that type of friend first to others, right? Um, I have a question about that actually. Go. No, so I, I agree 100% that's what you should do. Yeah. How would you explain to someone who, let's say like you're down bad, personally you're down bad, like relationally, financially, all that. Mm-hmm. And then all your friends are like getting jobs, like you're, st- you're single, right? They're yeah. all getting jobs, uh, yeah. husband, wives, like kids and everything, right? Yeah. Like. How do you ask that person to be like genuinely and selflessly happy for someone else's success when they're like? It's easy for me to, if I'm a millionaire and you be, and you're like second and you come and you become a millionaire after. I'm like, yo, congrats, because now we're like both millionaires. But like, if I'm in debt and everyone else is just like surpassing me, like yeah. it's hard for me to be like genuinely happy, right? 
So what is like a, a biblical way or Christ-like way to basically selflessly be genuinely happy for someone even when you're not because it's easy when you're like good if you're married and have kids like if someone else gets married then it's like yeah congratulations too but if you're single and, and everyone's just getting married around you like yeah. to be like oh i'm so happy for you like you know like i don't know if you can like mean it you know sure others maybe you can open the floor on this one what do you think about that when it comes down to your relationship with god if you're truly uh, content in christ and, and living a you know, what's it called? Joyful, you know. Christ centered life? Yeah. Christ centered life, I don't think you will experience those emptiness or, or jealousy. It comes down to your relationship. Right. And, and you truly believe that God has timing and, and purpose for you in His own timing. Any others? Thoughts? Because we can look at this story and go, oh yeah, it's, you know, Jonathan displaying such great friendship. What did David do? Did he take off his robe? <laughs> He's just a recipient of all this, right? It's like, oh, I want to be David. I don't want to be with the Jonathan in the relationship. Um, but if you look, of course, at the text, David does, like, immense, uh, demonstrates immense acts of friendship as well towards his friend Jonathan as well. There's a mutual love, right? It's not a, it's not a one-way thing. But yeah, what do you guys think? Any other thoughts on that? I think you can even like question like <coughs> the genuine heart of that other situation where, like, if I was a millionaire and you made it and you became a millionaire, when I say congratulations, you made it, is it me genuinely like happy for you that you because I want the best for you, or am I just happy that you're part of this team? Or like whatever it might be, right? I feel like, yeah, just like what Honey mentioned, like it goes both ways. And when there's no like Christ-centeredness in your heart, it's it's very easy to say one thing, but it's very distorted in the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another thing too um, is in Christian friendships, like you want to look at that person somebody that you're gonna be sharing an eternity with right so with the understanding that the things that we receive um, are temporal and just are things that are given to us to steward um, if we're able to direct that to God and not just to like looking at my circumstance and thinking like why don't I have this thing that my friend has or how did my friend get that thing when we're so similar like I'm not you know, we're not too far off from each other, like how come they have it and I don't. Um, yeah, maybe considering, like looking at them, like for their soul, for their, um, that sounds so cringy, like look at their soul. <laughs> but like, yeah. What if they're like arrogant about their accomplishments though, you know? Well, like, shouldn't that, maybe that should sadden you. If that's, like if you see the state of their heart or like how they're receiving that um, provision from God or like looking at them internally, what's going on, mm-hmm. um, and caring for them in that way that maybe you can help them with. And like, I don't know, if you're going through some kind of financial struggle, um, maybe they can help you with that, I think. That's part of like what submitting to each other, asking for help, being able to like approach each other with honesty and humility looks like. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you have to be exactly on par with each other 
externally for it to be, um, yeah, for it to be like a giving friendship both ways. Just because Jonathan took off everything, I was like, take it. Um, I don't think it's like a one directional friendship. Some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we have to question in that question itself. Uh, we have to question a few things. Like, <coughs> is it, are these God fearing, God loving people, right? And if they are, then the basis of friendship is not based on accolade or, you know, like, is this person only friends with this rich person because they're rich? And that's why you can't rejoice in that? Or were you only friends with this person because they were on the same social level as you or same economic level as you? Like, was that the basis of your friendship? Or was the basis of your friendship based on, like, character, personality, interest, shared values and virtues and faith and all these things? Like, these other things that have no, like, I guess, economic value in, in our social context. Um, and just because they boomed economically, all of a sudden you view them differently, you need to question your own heart, right, before you start questioning theirs. Um, also, we need to think about, like, I mean, I think you've brought up this a few times, but... This is the way I look at it, man. Like, if you're the poor guy in the relationship, like, you need to live in gratitude for what you even do have. Mm. And if you are the rich one in the relationship, you need to be selfless and giving and humble, right? That's the calling of your life. If you're given things, if you're given five talents, sure, whatever. But don't boast about it. Like, it's just the thing you were given and you live humbly in gratitude. If you're the person with less, maybe with one talent, then sure, you have one talent, you have four less, who cares? You're given something. Like you're you're still given something. You're given a life to live. Live in gratitude, humbly, right? So the answer is, I mean, the same both ways. Whether you're given a lot or a little, like Jesus talks about this. Right? Whether you have a lot or a little, those who are faithful, little who are faithful, a lot doesn't matter, right? It's the faithfulness and the stewardship and the attitude that's important, right? It's very easy for us, though, right? And it's not to say that's easy, but it is very easy for us to say these things. Harder, another thing to practice it. Um, but if you do really love your friends and they're genuine friends, I hope their paycheck doesn't interfere with that. Right? And if your friend is struggling and you are the one doing better, uh, it's not to say that you should just constantly be like, you know, a charity fund for them, right? Because that's not going to be the best thing either over time. But when in need, I think scripture does teach us to help the poor, to help those in need, especially those who are friends, right? Like you should reach out and be like, hey, are you struggling right now? How can I help, right? And it might not be just like pouring money into their pocket and being like, I'll take care of all your debts, right? Maybe that's not the best solution, but maybe helping them, you know, find their resume, refine their skills, find places they can plug into, get experience, <coughs> build them. Like, do you care enough to walk them through that process? Or are you just going to be like, yo, man, you need to fix your life before we can be friends, right? Like, that's, I think, also, like, improper, right? So always just thinking of what is best for your friend, I think, is the most I mean, the pursuit of friendship, right? It's not based on all those other variables. Um, good question, though. The author mentions this. Loyalty is indispensable to the survival of friendship. I don't know if you guys... What do you guys think about that? Loyalty is indispensable to the survival of friendship. I agree with that. I, I truly believe that. I think loyalty is, is so key. <laughs> like, if you cannot trust this person, like, how? How can you build... A relationship together uh, as intimate as you would want. like once that loyalty and or that like trustworthiness has been broken or the trust has been broken 
man, I mean, even as Christians, it's really hard to, like, build that back up to where it once was. It's really hard. And it sucks, like, when, especially when you're the one breaking it, right? Or, you know, when they've broken it. Uh, yeah, it is really, really, really difficult. So, I think loyalty is very indispensable. Friendship is encouragement. Um, it's an encouraging relationship in the end, right? We talk about iron sharpening iron, talk about these things. Um, but yeah, we are too. I'm reminded of Paul and Titus, right? If you read 2 Corinthians 7, and he talks about encouragement that Titus brought to him as he's in prison and going through struggles. Reminded of that kind of encouragement that friendships offer. Okay, C.S. Lewis once said, Friendship is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauties of all others. I just thought that was a nice little quote there. Um, yes, our friends help us to see our darkest sides and our worst sides. But in the end, I think our friends really bring out the best in us as well, right? They help us to see the beauty at times that we ourselves cannot see in ourselves, right? Um, I hope you have friends like that. I do. I, I hope your friends are not just crushing you all the time. Sorry, honey, man. <laughs> I'm so sorry we're always crushing on you. But, but you have beauties too that I am so aware of. Hey, pressure makes diamond. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Make diamonds. <laughs> okay, uh, we have succeeded. <laughs> there is one diamond right here. Maybe still in the rough, but still there. Um, disciplines. Let me just quickly walk through them, and then we can share final thoughts. Um, the author says, central to a friendship, disciplines in the friendship, so actual practical disciplines are, very similar to the ones previous, prayer. Prayer seems to be in everything, right? And the discipline of prayer needs to be an aspect of all things, right? Um, if you are in a romantic relationship, uh, I hope you're praying for your partner. I know I say that and it sounds stupid. It's like, who wouldn't pray for their partner? But, like, I really hope you are genuinely praying earnestly for your partner. And you are, <laughs> yeah, you're, that you're disciplined in that. Um... I think it's important. I think it's very, very important. So one thing I do, I'm not really good at like sitting down and thinking things and saying things out loud into the, like into the air, so to speak. So um, my practice of praying for whatever partner God will give is I just write my prayers down. So I write like a little journal, like dear future partner, who are you? <laughs> Why? I'm Why have you chosen me? <laughs> right? Um, uh, I mean, I write it to God, right? It's to God. It's to God. Thank you for giving. It's always like, thank you for giving this person. I don't know who they are yet, but here they are. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Just short prayers. Write them down. Think about them. And, you know, that makes a great gift later, I think. <laughs> you can give them. Here's, your, here's all the prayers I pray for you, you butthole. <laughs> right? Um, and I just think it's um, I think it's a good practice. Even if you're single, you should be praying for your friends, your partner, for everything, right? So this applies to your friends too. You should be praying for your friends, right? Um, I hope you guys do that. That's If you find it very <coughs> difficult, I personally, my personality, I like to break things down, make them very like scheduled or else, like if I'm just like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, like it, it never happens, so. Like, I literally have, like, an alarm on my phone reminding me, pray for Rosal. Oh, pray for Mikey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, Rosal and Mikey are on the same day. <laughs> I've grouped by, uh, you know, like... <laughs> yeah. 
I might put Mikey on another day, like multiple days. <laughs> Mikey Mondays. Um, but <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, I have these. The, the, those are little things that have, have helped me to um, practice prayer, or else I just fall into the trap of being lazy. Yeah. Uh, friendliness. And it sounds obvious. You're friends. You should be friendly to one another, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so no matter what our disposition, we need to work at friendliness. We need to be consciously cheerful. We need to ask questions, be concerned with one another. We need to place ourselves in situations where friendships happen, etc., etc., etc. So we need to be engaged with our friends, right? Yes, you need your own time. You need your alone time. If you're an introvert, I'm sure that time is a little more extended than others. You need time to recuperate on your own and blah 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 blah. but engage with your friends please this is, we are relational creatures in the end uh, we talked about being made in the imago day image of god we are relational creatures we're meant to be relational like let's journey together journey with your friends don't lose your friends right um you'll regret it a lot uh later work uh you need to work at it you need to work at your friendship you can't just expect it to happen and be like Everything is just organic. It will grow on its own like a plant. It will not. It will die. It will shrivel up and be destroyed. It will, you need to work at it, right? Um, and so even if there's difficulties, even if there's tension or animosity or hurt, right, usually is what happens, you need to work at that, right? You can't just be like, cutting this person out of my life. I'm not going to be friends with them anymore <laughs> because they hurt me or I hurt them and I'm too ashamed to say sorry. <laughs> it's like, boom, right? It like I don't know I don't I don't know if that's the way Christians should approach relationships affirmation um, I suck at this uh, everyone who's been on a mission trip with me knows exactly how bad I am at this do not affirm anything of you I tend to look at your weaknesses more than your strengths uh, I tend to not affirm uh, the strengths of your life or the weaknesses of your life um, but it's something I think um, really important, right? One compliment, one word of encouragement, word of affirmation, word of love, um, loving words of any sort. I mean, in a long way. And so there are seasons in my life where I'm like, oh, I said 10 bad things to you, honey, this week. <laughs> I had to make up for it. <laughs> I'm a self-righteous friend right now. Um, but yeah, I need to, you know, time to time, say good things too. Right? You can't just always, in fact, I shouldn't really um, say bad things all the time, but say good things. Um, this is also something I'm bad at, listening, the discipline of listening to your friends. People love to talk. Uh, I love my, uh, love my boys, but in our group chat, it's hilarious when you read it. Everyone's having their own conversation. Everyone's just saying their own thing, right? They're like, I did this today. Oh, I did this today. I did that today. Da 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 da. Oh, my manager said this. My manager said that. Like, I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, everyone's just, everyone's just writing their own life, like a biography, of, uh, their autobiography of their own life, and no one's actually listening to like. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just reading it wrong. But um, I think listening is something we are getting worse at, um, and we need to learn how to do that. I think that's the practice and discipline we have. And then there's acceptance, right? Um, doesn't mean like just accepting their faults and being like okay with that of course as God-fearing men and women we seek out the best for this person in sanctification we want them to be holy right so of course we accept um, we don't accept the sin of someone's life and just leave it to be but we do accept the reality of 
you know, mistakes that could happen, sins that could be committed, right? Uh, wrongs that they could do, but we appropriately respond to those things, right? Um, and so I think that's really, like that person can't feel like in this relationship, I'm just judged all the time, right? I don't think that's a healthy relationship either. I think there needs to be an understanding of this person understands me for who I am and wants the best for me. That's why they seek out the change in my life. It's not just you suck, you suck, you suck, you change or else you suck, right? But it's like, hey, like I'm concerned about this in your life, right? And that's a same like desired result, but it comes off so differently, right? Finally, hospitality, which is like kind of where Mikey was talking about and I think this is where in the modern world holy we are ethically flawed in the area of giving in the area of just sharing uh, with one another right like this idea of in Acts 2 of everyone shared as each needed like could anyone do that today who wants to share right I love to share with Andrew and his shoe collection right <laughs> as I need <laughs> right I would love to do that right but is that something we can do like we're programmed to do no we're not every every since ever since we were a kid we're told everything you earned is yours you keep it for yourself and you benefit yourself right and that's the attitude we live with our whole life hospitality this idea of giving and sharing in one another um i remember when i was a kid like growing up in a pastor's house one of the things you experience as a pastor's kid is people always being in your house your mom and your grandma always cooking for people like always being hospitable like you know someone like a college student doesn't have a place to stay over the summer literally took over my bed i slept on the couch for oh two my months God. like stuff like this right like they would shun me as their son like put me on the couch and they would put like so-and-so chongyeonbu member in my bed and be like you be comfortable like right like this is like the kind of uh Christian like hospitality is lost like today who would do that who would open their doors that willingly to one another it's like like tomorrow we found out like oh John's on the streets like who's gonna open their doors and be like John you gotta come into our house right like stuff like that right like it's um <laughs> it's it, oh man like it's a daunting thing like we've grown up so selfish and we have lost this part of and even in friendship it's okay it's worth, we can be friends we can be cool just don't touch my stuff <laughs> right like my stuff's my stuff your stuff is your stuff like you know that's it right time to time I'll buy you coffee I'll buy you a meal but that's the extent of my hospitality right like come on like that can't be it that cannot be it why are we so like I don't know stingy in that area I think it's because we've grown up to love money we've grown up to love wealth and um, it's unfortunate anyways the food for thought period what do you guys think? Friendship. Any other things, maybe disciplines you could think of in friendship? Or maybe things you would correct? So I have a, I have a thought, right? So going back to what Miss uh, Teresa was saying. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why didn't you say Teresa? Teresa was saying about how like your faith is, you know, part of your life right so it's hard to commune with your non-believer friends yeah non-believing friends 
So I thought that too, and then I found myself in, you know, after I graduated from school, I always hang out with uh, Christian friends. And then, like, it's very comfortable, right? If you have Christian friends, you both believe in God, like, you don't have to be judged on on your beliefs. And I think that uh, recently, for the past uh, couple years or so, uh, God has been, like, challenging my thought process and saying, well, how can you, um, you know, share the gospel, right? Right. So I thought that although, you know, it's going to be sometimes uncomfortable, um, you know, if my non-believing friends are having a hard time or whatever, right? If I'm at least like, if I'm there for them, I can at least use that opportunity to share the gospel, right? Yeah, so, so that has been, I feel like sometimes this can be kind of, controversial but um, I think as a Christian you should have more non-believing friends like 60-40 like I mean, it's, hard to, it's hard to have a cut we don't need know? to put a number on it but, but should we be engaged with the non-believing community absolutely yeah. I mean Jesus himself demonstrated the most by his post pro- yeah. prominent friends were the disciples he ate with and, tax collectors or whatever right, right. and he would evangelistically approach others right um, Paul same way Right, he had his bros, Timothy, you know, Barnabas, Mark, Titus, Apollo. but he had Cherubal. <laughs> but so, he yeah. had, of course, an evangelistic agenda. So adding on to that, right? So let's say 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was doing that, or hanging out with uh, tax collectors, whatever. Yeah. Let's say there was social media back then, right? And you're going to see Jesus with, like, you know, taxpayers, like, one of this or whatever, doing poses, you know, taking pictures right. with, um, I don't know, people like that, right? Yeah. You're, as a Christian, seeing that, you, you're going to judge probably. Be like, oh, why is Jesus hanging out with, like, filthy people, right? Well, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. The Pharisees were falling around and yeah. did actually yeah. judge him on that. And it's happening, I'm not sure if it's just me, but uh, sometimes it's happening even today, right? If you see a, uh, a Christian friend hanging out with, like... See, yeah. on social media and stuff I, like that. I can see where you're going with that, but I think the difference in that is this: is that what is your character, mm. right? Like normally, like what is your perceived character, the perception of who you are as a person, as a believer and follower of Jesus? And then you put that person in that context. It's a different story if that person's natural is like, yeah, I don't even know if this person's Christian. Like I've never seen them do anything Christian things. They don't talk about their faith. Yeah. They don't demonstrate their faith or any of that stuff. And then you see them in that context, you're going to be like, oh, I guess they're not Christian. Or they're not really, like, so I'm serious about their the faith. fact that... But like, Jesus, yeah. in his... in the Like, not in those contexts, but in his own personal... Devo- devoted to prayer, devoted to... I mean, obviously, he's Jesus, right? Obviously, right? But he was committed to those things. Paul in the same way, right? Paul was basically, like, really pursuing following Jesus, right? Like, he was clearly demonstrating attributes of the faith and, and the fruits of the spirit in his own life so that he could go to a Corinth, he could go to an Athens, integrate into non-Christian circles, yeah, so and still people view that as, oh, that guy's doing it to be evangelistic. That guy's in there to share the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ, right? Um, so that's the heart that I try to have, right? So if mm-hmm. I go to like a bar with non-Christian friends, I'll do like a quick prayer while I'm driving, like, hey, guard my heart today. Right. Right. And then make sure that you're not obviously 
you're going to be different. You have to be different if right, you're a yeah. Christian, right? So I, I assume every <coughs> Christian or I expect every Christian to do that. So I feel like if you have that heart, why wouldn't you hang out with more non-believers? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's disagreeing with that. I think what we're yeah. talking about when we come to friendship, we're talking about not like our social spheres, with like just any general, like kind of like, I don't want to say shallow, but just like a general social circle. We're talking about like your deepest, most intimate friend relationships, like your friend friends, right? Are those people, like can we have those relationships with non-Christians? Um, and if we do, what is the difference when you have the, your most intimate best friends are non-Christians and when your most intimate friends are Christians? Like what, what's the differentiator there? I think as Christians and, and as your faith becomes more and more, and really should be the entirety, totality of your life, and encompasses every area of your life, every sphere of your life, you begin to realize that you do want Christian friends who can relate to those things, who can pray for you, who can have the, this type of value system, right? Um, so I think that's kind of where the conversation was headed. Now, I don't think anyone is denying the fact that we should be, right, um, interacting with non-Christians for the purposes of sharing the gospel which I think is commendable and of course uh, recommended another thing too is like you also have to be careful like if you're being discipled by your non-Christian friends like are you in a scenario where they're influencing you more like you might have good intentions to be like a faithful witness but if they're influencing you more in a secular way than you're influencing them in a godly Christian way then like you're the one being discipled. Yeah, of course. That's why um, I was talking to Max about like you got to make sure that you're different, not being influenced by those. Mm-hmm. It's so uh, dangerous. Was, yeah, that was always a question, right? Like, yeah. when do you cut out people, right? Like mm-hmm. that are negative influences, or like that you yeah. feel you're being negatively. Yeah, I mean, I think it really comes. Where it's like missionally, you want them to yeah. believe, but another where like you're being drawn into. See, it. I was afraid of that, of being influenced. That's why sometimes. When I have like house no, but like, there's just some people that maybe like toxic, you know, like yeah. just bad people, like not like yeah. like not good, <laughs> like non-Christian people that are like yeah. good friends, but like just toxic people that. Yeah, you know, if you're kind of like it. hanging out with them, you're kind of like contributing to like whatever they're doing, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a fine line. <laughs> Even with my um, non-believing friends, like she met, she met some of my non-Christian friends yesterday, and they're nice guys, right? Like they swear time to time, but you know, but like, at the same time, like. Sometimes I don't want to be influenced by that, right? And so what I used to do was, if I have like house gatherings, and like I want to invite both, I will separate them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'll have it with my Christian friends first, and then I'll have it with my non-believing friends. In the same room? No, 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 separate That's like a Jew Gentile situation, you know? Yeah. That's like separating the goat and the sheep. A little <laughs> Acts 11, Acts yeah. 10. Oh, yeah, I kind of felt bad because <laughs> what if my friends, you know, Christian, Christian friends can kind of mingle with my I see, I see. non-Christian friends and maybe share the gospel like that, right? But right, okay. I mean... I was just... No, but for me, though, like... So, like, I've, I don't think I've been in a scenario where, like, secular people influence me more. Because, like, <laughs> I told, like, my my coworkers, like, my secular coworkers I was Christian, and, like, they didn't believe me. Because I was, like, worse than them. So, like, yeah, I see, said this is what I'm talking about. So, this is a scenario where you shouldn't be 
you know, heavily interested. So I had to like reevaluate, like, <laughs> why am I influencing them more negatively than like a secular person, right? So I was like, yeah. So they didn't think I was Christian. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's important, right? You need to be firm first yourself, and then from that you can then, you know, interact yeah. and be effective witnesses, right? Um, it's not here, but I tend to think like. I think Aaliyah's a really great example of this. Like, when I s- meet her, like, and talk to her, like, there's a character that is consistent, right, and in pursuit of Christ. And so even though she has all these, like, non-Christian interactions, I trust what's happening there, right? Whereas person X, you know, well, come on, I don't see any <laughs> of that, Damn. right? And then they were doing the same things. I don't know if I would trust the witness of Christ in those, wit- in those meetings, Right. Not to say I'm judging them, like judging them. I'm, I'm sure if they have the right intention and heart, maybe effectively, you know, through the spirit, that those things can come into fruition. But I don't know if it's safe for that person to be doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, so I do think there needs to be maturity and stability and a firmness in the character of the person as godly, or at least demonstrating attributes in pursuit of that. And then from that, you see maybe the practice. Of witnessing Christ, right? Or I, I think that's what we would want, ideally. Not to say that's like a rigid structure or, or like must follow template, but you can understand what I'm talking about there, right? Um, someone we can trust the word with, right? Trust the witness of Christ with, who would be our greatest investors, right? That's why this is what I be- I used to not think this, but I believe this now. I don't think everybody's called as a missionary. I just don't. I think that's a false statement to make. I think. Um, we should all have a heart for missions. I don't think we're all. It's like this. It's like we're all. We should all be concerned with health, like overall health, the well-being of people, right? That doesn't make us doctors. No, but right? missionary like sharing the gospel. That missionary or no frontier missionary too. Oh, or it North could Summer even Sunders. be. It could even be like even locally. Maybe we don't want. Um, I mean, I think every Christian has a responsibility to be. Um, gospel-centered and heralds of the gospel and pro- proclaimers of the gospel yeah. in opportunities that arise. That doesn't make Isn't them that a, being a missionary? That doesn't make them a frontier missionary, I don't think. I mean, yeah. There's a distinction in scripture on that. Um, so, like, you know, generally, we probably would be like, hey, honey, like, there's this, like, if I know you have some kind of back problem, for example, like, before I heard, like, something that might help, like, hey, I think this might help you. Give you that advice. It doesn't make me a doctor. Or it doesn't give me like a prescriber of medicine like to you, right? Yeah. You shouldn't really take my word for it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, you should get like professional advice on that, right? But it doesn't mean that I can't share something that I think is really good and helpful to you um, out of a good heart, right? And I think we can all do that and we should all do that. I just don't think we are all frontier missionaries in that sense, yeah. right? And I think there's a distinct and unique call to those people gifted in that area, just like pastors. Pastors... T- Teach the word. We're supposed to be heralds and proclaimers of God's word faithfully and truthfully and do it gifted in a giftedness. That doesn't mean you guys are void of like the responsibility to read your Bibles and share it with others. Right? <laughs> but that doesn't make you a pastor either, just because you do that, right? So I hope that distinction makes sense. Um, anything else? Any other thoughts on godly friend? So question one is to think about to reflect on this week. Are you a godly friend? Are you a friend? It's godly <laughs> to, to your friends. Right? Get in uh, there. Uh, yes. 
That's a question to your friends. I think that's first right. a question to yourself, and then you can ask that about your friends as well. Some, they're parallel questions. You can ask them simultaneously, yeah. but I think it's wrong to only be like, are you a godly friend? Are you a godly friend? Are you? Are you? <laughs> Without having some time of self-reflection and be like, am I that kind of friend to other people? Okay, am I demonstrating that, right? And if you aren't, maybe there needs to be some refinement. Um, any questions before we end? Mikey's last minute questions that last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like, you know. <laughs> you know, I actually watched a Timothy Keller sermon like six years ago. And. Six years six ago? Years ago? Yeah. Like pre COVID, man. And he was talking about everything you're saying. Uh-huh. But the verse that he was preaching out of was from Proverbs where it says, like, a friend is greater mm-hmm. than a brother. And he kind of like talked about everything we talked about and then a little bit more on basically the significance or the like how it's helpful to your uh relationship with god right yeah Uh, like being equally yoked right um like supporting each other that sort of thing i remember thomas sent me another proverb that said something like like a like a person who is like alone when he falls like like can't basically like can't get back up or something like that mm-hmm. where like a person who has friends is like rough. i don't know something like that. Like you fall down <laughs> you fall down right and you have no one to pick you up right i think, I think like the he, biggest like uh, translation yeah. the message yeah. <laughs> he wants people to pick him up he wants people to pick him up so tim keller's book i read his um friends book or whatever um, and it talks about the everybody wants community but runs the other way. Mm. Like so, everybody wants to be vulnerable, but like when you actually have to work at it, they run the other way because yeah. like I mean, that was I think that struck me. Because you also have to like trust the people that you're being vulnerable to. Yeah, what I if mean, you have like a deep sin that you don't like? You yeah, don't I mean, trust well, I mean, one of the most common things I see is like in church. People who are searching for a church or leaving a church commonly say, like, this church, you know, they didn't demonstrate these attributes, these things, like, they didn't, you know, I didn't really fit in with this group, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I mean all, that may all be true, right? We really investigate into those situations. It also, like, shed some light on what was your initiation? Like, what, what did you initiate? Like, did you engage? Or were you just sitting there expecting things to just come your way, right? I think that's, um, it's unfortunate, right? Like, to, to just blame others being like you they weren't good friends to me they weren't a good community to me whereas you're just sitting in the corner being like you know the cloud of darkness and mm-hmm. being like i will not do anything until you initiate right, right? right like right. come on like that's insane right you gotta reach out it's, first it's mutual right um so i think that's that's all part of it for sure anyways let's wrap up with prayer and then we can continue the conversation if people just want to talk after but let me pray father we thank you so much for the friends we do have First and foremost, the friend that is Christ to us, who is a great friend, the greatest of all. And we thank you for that friendship, that relationship we have with him. Father, we also thank you for the relationships we have um, with our brothers and sisters, um, and our friends, our best friends, our intimate friends, those who we can um, do life with, so to speak, and share in things, and, and really uh, be transparent and vulnerable in ways that are very difficult to do with others. And so, Father, we thank you for those 
those who don't have friends like that, I hope and pray that you know, those friends would come and be a part of their life in some way, and that they would grow with them, that we all benefit from this type of community in our life, the presence of that kind of community in our life. We thank you, God, uh, for the God-fearing men and women of our lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.